Some of you may have been surprised to hear me say yesterday that, yes, we are victims, but as Christians we don't whine about it. You see, according to Romans chapter 8, it says here, For your sake we are killed all day long. In other words, for God's sake, we go through lots of little deaths every day. We are accounted as sheep to the slaughter. We're, we're, we're born into a situation which we didn't choose, and uh, we find ourselves in that situation of sin and death. And uh, what do we do about it? Well, the world whines and complains and grumbles, but we as Christians who have come to faith in Jesus Christ, we take a different view of things. We need not be afraid to admit that we are victims. That doesn't mean that we deny responsibility for our sins and our actions in the world, but it makes it helps us to see that there is a situation here that, my goodness, is totally mysterious. We didn't ask for this. We came along. We were born. And before we knew it, well, we were sinners. And we were subject to the power of death. Now, that doesn't sit very well, does it, with a modern audience? Because the secular world wants to think of itself as independent. And uh, we are our own bosses, humanism in its worst form. But the fact is that God has given the kingdom to his Son that all nations and all peoples might serve him. That's in Daniel chapter 7. My goodness, are we to be servants of God? Yes, we are. What that service may involve, we don't really know yet. We'll know in the kingdom. We know that God's people are a nation of priests, a royal priesthood, and a priest serves and inter intervenes, intercedes for others who do not know him, perhaps. And uh, that may involve our um, Make helping the the rest of the world to see what God is doing for them and bringing them to himself. But there is certainly a state and a relationship with God that is a state of servanthood. Nevertheless, Paul is able to say we're not servants, we're sons and daughters of God. So it's not a servile servitude. It's not a slavery in the, the darkest kind of way. It's a wonderfully privileged servant state as sons and daughters of God. Now, think of this. This idea that we are victims of a, a, a situation that we didn't choose, we find ourselves in the midst of some kind of war or other, that makes us realize, doesn't it, that we're not, after all, the center of things. This is a new Copernican revolution, one might say, that uh, human beings are not at the center of the universe. Well, we knew that as Christians, but we have taken on, I think, a lot of the world's ideas, and uh, we tend to think that we're in this world to learn how to please ourselves and to be happy, and it's a me-centered uh, culture, and that culture has passed its way in, uh, on into the Christian faith. But here Paul says 
For your sake, we are going through many, many deaths all day long. That is to say, more accurately, he says, for your sake, we are killed all day long. And I pointed out from 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that this implies that we are sharing in the death and suffering of Jesus so that the life of Jesus might be manifested in us too. We carry this truth and the grace in these earthen vessels. Look that up. It's Second Corinthians chapter 4. Read the verses right up to 6 and 7. Well, then do you see that if we are not the center of the universe, that does not mean that God does not love us infinitely and totally. We are in the center of his heart. But his goal is for his son, not for us. And his goal is that his son shall have brothers and sisters, that's us, and also servants, and that's us. We have a role that is a humble role in the kingdom of God. Oh, yes, we'll be glorified as Christ himself is. That's the blessing of God, but not because we deserve it, not because we are something super special, certainly we are special in God's love, but again, we're not the center of the universe. What does it mean when Paul says, for your sake we are killed all day long, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter? Well, you see, the previous verse says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or the sword? So then he says, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. So this implies that all Christians and all people in the world are in the midst of a dire and catastrophic situation. A situation which we did not create Yes, Adam created it in a sense, but who came before Adam? Well, Satan was there, and he was tempting them, and God knew that they would fall. So there's something going on which is a controversy between good and evil and between Christ and Satan. There are people who have different views about this, and I don't particularly have a set view on it. But there are people who believe that, based on uh, references in Ezekiel to Satan, uh, that possibly refer to Satan, that is, that Satan was jealous of Christ, that Satan did not understand himself as, as uh, understand that he was a created being and Christ was not. And he wanted to be like the Most High. Now, I'm not saying this is a, a accurate absolute clear theology. It's not. It's a supposition. It's, uh, we don't have a lot of information on it. But certainly, there is a controversy between God and Satan. He will be, I will be like the Most High, he says. I mean, what delusion had entered his mind? And then, for the first goal that he has, once he's trying to be like the Most High, is to destroy God's people, to destroy Adam and Eve, to harm them, to bring them down. Well, obviously, Satan has some kind of controversy with God's creation. 
And then you remember that highly symbolic language in the book of Revelation, um, where it says his tail through a third of the stars of heaven, that's the dragon's tail, that's Satan, through a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And that presumably is, is angels. And the dragon stood before the woman, and that woman is, is Christ, or rather the church, I should say, who was ready to give birth to devour her child. That is, Satan was ready to devour Christ. And God, of course, protected Christ. And uh, so then, what does Satan do? Well, at the end of the chapter, it says, And the dragon was enraged with the woman, with the church, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring. That is, the, the, the people of God, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So Satan is as mad as hell, and he is mad with God, and he's trying to get at God through his people, through Adam and Eve, and then through all of the believers in Jesus Christ, from the creation of the world till now until the second coming of Jesus. This is just phenomenal. And we're caught in the middle, as I say. And so you remember that reference in the book of Job, where God asks Satan, have you considered my servant Job? And Job and, and Satan accuses Job that he's only being good to God because God is being good to him and protecting him. And he says, touch, your fl touch his flesh and he'll curse you to your face. And God gives Satan permission to do that. So, you see, there is some force of evil that we don't really understand. We know it's Satan. We know he's a person. We don't really know what's his big gripe. But we do know it has something to do with terrible resentment towards Christ and God. And he's working out that vicious resentment through his people. Now, we become God's servants, and in some way or other, we go through these mini-deaths throughout life, for the sake of God. So then, you see, it is God who is the center of things, and it's Jesus who is the center of things, and we become his instruments and ambassadors. Now, don't think, for goodness sake, that we're going to prove God by becoming perfectly righteous in this world. That's what I used to think as a perfectionist, what a, and it was a horrible doctrine. It gave me no peace whatsoever. I was always afraid of, of uh, disappointing God. But we are witnesses to his mercy, not simply his power to help us to overcome everything, but his mercy to us, that day by day we receive such loving mercy from God. And that is a slap in the face to the devil, who has no truck with mercy, let me tell you. And so here we are, giving glory to God for his kindness and his love in taking us to his kingdom when we don't deserve it, and in, uh, uh, in being uh, taken care of in this world when we have failed him and not served him well. All of these things make it an incredible change of the center of our focus. So do not look for how to be a happy Christian, but rather look to how to live the death of Jesus and the life of Jesus while we live with Christ in this life, because he's the one that the controversy is all about, and we are going to be the ones who help God to justify himself. 
Did you know that it says in Romans chapter 3 that thou mightest prevail when thou art judged, when God is judged? The world is going to complain against God in the final judgment, and God is going to reveal himself both uh, uh, both uh, to his glory and what he has done through us, and that is going to justify God. What a role you and I have to play. This is Colin Cook, and this is how it happens. Thanks for listening to the broadcast today. You can hear it any time of the day or night on KLTT AM 670. I should say not any time of the day or night. You can hear it on KLTT AM 670 in the Denver and Colorado and surrounding states areas at 10 o'clock in the evening, repeated at 4 in the morning. But you can also hear the broadcast on your smartphone any time of the day or night. Simply go to soundcloud.com slash faithquest or download the free app soundcloud.com and then key in how it happens with Colin Cook. You can also hear the broadcast on uh, Podbean. Do the same with podbean.com or go to faithquest.podbean.com. And if you would like to support the program, which is now in its 25th year, it would be so very, very much appreciated. It's a small ministry, but a long-lasting one, 40-odd years, but it needs your support to keep the broadcast going. The broadcast costs $39 per 15 minutes, which is about $200 per five-day week, and about $850 to $900 for a month's broadcasts. Send your donations, if you would, to FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160. That's FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160. Or make your donation online at faithquestradio.com. That's faithquestradio.com. And if you'd like to send a little note about how the program is helping you and uh, what it's doing for you, that would be so very much appreciated. I really do enjoy your little notes. And thank you for all the support you've given so far. I'll see you next time then. Cheerio and God bless.